0: For so long, the most ambitious woman, the woman who had the biggest dreams, the only way she had of fulfilling those dreams was to marry well. What qualities make you marriageable in the past? To be low maintenance. I'm fine. I'm not mad. I don't need anything. No thanks. I got it, right? To be low maintenance. That makes a good choice for a wife, a wife who's resourceful who is accommodating, who doesn't complain, who is harmonious, who does a lot of extra work, picks up the slack, makes do with what she has so she doesn't ask for too much. Her needs and her desires are not outrageous at all. That conditioning of not wanting to be a bother and picking up all the extra work, you know, the most badass, powerful, executive CEOs I have come to the academy, still feel themselves under the spell of the good girl autoresponder.
1: We're about to get started with another amazing guest who's sharing incredible insights, and I want to make sure that you are aware that all of this is made possible by Mindvalley. And right now, Mindvalley has an amazing package that you can take advantage of called All Access. If you haven't heard of it before, this is basically getting every single quest of Mind Valley available to you for an annual price of under $600. And the best part is you can get started, have a test drive if you've never done a quest before, and see how amazing this transformational material is if for any reason you feel is not what you're looking for you're always eligible for a refund within the first 30 days so I urge you to go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman that way you'll be able to take advantage of this incredible offer and it will support our shows and free content such as superhumans at work that you get to listen to twice a week so go in there check out the quests that are available all the information will be on that page which is mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman where you can also find this link in the show notes. And now let's get started with our episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm so excited about the session we're going to have today, where we're going to be able to step into a lot of words that could come as taboo used in the workplace. We're going to talk about power. We're going to talk about gender, our roles, how our society is evolving. How is it that men and women are working in the same place? And how are those dynamics evolving? Is it normal that there's a bit of chaos? Is it chaotic? I really want to get into these discussions because in the modern world where we're all working together, we all seem to be playing different roles. And I want to see what are the discussions that happen when we start challenging these roles and what potential is unleashed when we really acknowledge our full selves in every role that we can possibly play. Kasha Urbaniak is going to be here and sharing these insights. And she is an incredible woman, the CEO of the Academy, a school that teaches women the foundations of power and influence. How to embrace this. And she's spoken at numerous corporations. I'm talking about the Museum of Modern Arts, the Wharton School of Business, the Yale School of Management, and she's already the subject of so much media attention. She's had interviews in The Guardian, New York Times, Forbes, BBC Capital, amongst others. And here's one of the fascinating aspects that I love, is her background has been as a dominatrix. We're gonna talk more about her background, why it's so important to know what has happened here has been applied in business, and you're gonna be able to apply this in your career as well. Kasha, welcome to the show, thank you so much for coming.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, first off, I want to say congratulations. I know you've recently launched your book, Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power. And power itself is a word that seems to come with a lot of baggage. It seems like it's almost taboo. And so I wanted to open up with this question is, why does that idea of power seem to unrest a lot of us. It seems like it's it's an uncontrollable energy. And what have you witnessed about this word and why it's so powerful to
0: embrace? Well, the first thing is I like that the word power ruffles some feathers. I have, before a student takes a class, sometimes they write an email saying, why is it power and not empowerment? And there's this implication around the word empowerment First of all, women are more likely to feel comfortable with something like women's empowerment. Men are more likely to go for a book called Power. So it seems like the softer subset, right? There's also this implication that empowerment is inward. So you can actually be alone in a room and do your affirmations and feel great and become powerful in isolation when power in and of itself is relational, like money. Right, Power is entirely about powerful relationships. It's a communication function. One of the fun things about working with especially behavioral economics people is redefining power with them in conversation about how it's not who has the most toys, but who has the most powerful relationships.
1: So it's very crazy, as you mentioned this, it's like, I just had a vision of so many websites and some of the friends I follow that all do these empowerment workshop for women. So you're so right. And then I was thinking like, what are some of the things that attracted me as far as literature or workshops. And the first thing that came to mind is, yeah, when I was in my early twenties, I read a book like the 48 laws of power. And I don't see that literature being picked up as much as women. And so what gets left out? Like what happens when women do not, and, and we're gonna speak specifically to that since we've already differentiated that there's a natural attraction for men to go and seek that power. What is the problem where we see that women are not as much embracing it? And what happens when they do?
0: Oh, well, what happens, what they do is their lives get revolutionized. As women claim their power, they're also redefining power. Again, one of the pitfalls of a word like empowerment is that implies that you can do it by yourself, that you can like be, say, for example, in a woman's group, that's super, super, super necessary, but that sisters can pump themselves up, but then they go interface with men who have very different conditioning or circumstances in business. And all of a sudden, it's like the magic's gone. When you focus on power and powerful communication and building powerful relationships, the evidence of your power is not your feeling. Power is not a feeling. It's an effect. It's what happens in the impact of the thing. And I think men are trained and conditioned to have more of their attention, for better and for worse, on outward attention states, meaning performance, the results, winning the game, you know, getting the date, whatever it is for the performance, the provider. Whereas women tend to still be conditioned towards their beingness, not their doingness, even though women are doing more than ever and sometimes double, triple what men do. So calling attention to that agency and that doingness and balancing out when we have our dominant outward states of influence fully out and also our state, fully in where we're deeply connected with the truth of ourselves is super important for both men and women. The challenge and the road and the journey is totally different because of our very different kinds of conditioning.
1: Which I want to go right into that conditioning, right? So women naturally have not been embracing it as much as men, yet we see that there's so many gaps in the workplace when it comes to, you know, senior positions, you know, the glass ceiling and women are just in the process of getting into the workforce. And we're seeing that the card seems to be stacked against them. And so what is that conditioning and what can we do to become like, do we need to break through a mental barrier as a woman? And how do we get started doing that?
0: It's a mental, emotional, and physical body-based barrier. But before addressing the conditioning, I have to say that there are also other circumstances that make the, say, the corporate game, a less appealing win for a woman. Between sexual harassment and having other values and family, there are other legitimate things that go on besides conditioning. But here's something that was really, really interesting. I'll get into the conditioning in just one second. In the course of teaching, at some point I added a power with money class to the curriculum. And one of the things that inspired me, and a lot of the courses are around being able to ask for what you want, ask for what you need in a powerful and effective way, shamelessly and like 100% of what you need in the workplace, especially getting the support that you need to do your best job. There was this tech website, and this was a story a few years back that noticed that women were applying for jobs and asking right away for lower salaries than men. So these like really, really well-meaning architects of this tech jobs website were like, we're gonna solve the problem. We're gonna start putting up a graph for each position and showing the exact average, what's on the excessive side, what's on the lesser side, a beautiful graph for each position. So each person, man or woman, can look at it and get a sense of what the actual average is. And you know what happened? Men started asking for more Women started asking for even less. And to me, this was such a huge, huge sign, such a huge red flag. So, telling them what the average is did not change their behavior. As a matter of fact, if it did, it made it even worse. So, let's talk about what I call good girl conditioning, right? If you really, really think about it, women being able, women going from being property to being able to own property is actually relatively recent when it comes to human history. It actually happened kind of an eye blink ago. In 1974, a woman couldn't even get a credit card in Connecticut without her husband's signature. We're not talking about, you know, millennia here. We're talking about a few minutes ago in the eye blink of human history, all of a sudden, women can own property, women can go to work, women can have careers. It's foolish to think that the conditioning that's passed down to us from our ancestors, that's in the air, that's ubiquitous everywhere, would change immediately. The good girl conditioning qualities let me put it this way. For so long, the most ambitious woman, the woman who had the biggest dreams, the only way she had of fulfilling those dreams was to marry well. What qualities make you marriageable in 1888 (laughs) Or, or whenever in the past? To be low maintenance. I'm fine. I'm not mad. I don't need anything. No, thanks. I got it, right? To be low maintenance. That makes a good choice for a wife, a wife who's resourceful. Who is accommodating, who doesn't complain, who is harmonious, who does a lot of extra work, picks up the slack, makes do with what she has, so she doesn't ask for too much. Her needs and her desires are not outrageous at all, right? And that conditioning of not wanting to be a bother and picking up all the extra work, you know, the most badass, powerful executive CEOs I have come to the academy, still feel themselves under the spell of the good girl autoresponder. If they're not paying attention, they'll say yes to something that I want to say yes to. They'll make something extremely convenient for somebody else while bending over backwards, going out of their way. When I have them log their invisible labor, the work they don't get compensated for, reciprocated or paid for, sometimes it's up to 80% of their daily hours. Mental labor, emotional labor, physical labor. The independent woman, her victory is super bittersweet. So many women who are kicking ass are actually doing the jobs of three people and not asking for help because it makes them feel bossy or needy, not getting what they need, definitely not asking or receiving 100% of what they would need. They're not asking for the salaries. They're not asking for the team they need in order to do their best work. And, you know, this is already known that there's a tendency that when a woman applies for a position, she applies for a position she's already capable of doing where a man looks into the position he wants to live into right? So there's this secondary thing where, and I believe this is out of love, the daughters were always very well policed, looked after, because if a woman wore too short a skirt and something happened to her, she would be to blame. So you had to watch your daughters, watch your daughters. And once that atmosphere develops, any woman listening to this can probably relate to the constant self-policing that now needs no police officer, needs no parent, grandparent, needs nobody else to point it out. She's asking herself, am I too much? Am I not enough? Am I too loud? Am I too quiet? Am I too feminine? Am I too masculine? Do I care too much about my career, not enough about my family? Was this appropriate? Was that, that attention turned inwards, but not in a generative positive way, that attention turned inwards? It's like the cleverest prison in the world is the prison without any walls. It's the prison you can't see. So breaking that conditioning is so much fun. It's so much fun because it creates results so quickly. And it's one of those things that's first is the horror of discovering something that was invisible to you that suddenly is visible. And then is the pleasure of overcoming it and understanding that that barrier, it's antiquated, no longer serves. Good girls don't change the world. You know, it just becomes such a joy There are some really simple techniques in each of these good girl autoresponder examples where where I said earlier, not just a mental barrier or emotional, but physical too. It's such a fast habit to respond to crisis, to say yes, or to say, no, I'm fine. It's such a fast habit to, when asked an uncomfortable, inappropriate question, to give the answer right away instead of questioning the questioner. Which brings me to this really important subject of how power dynamics work. So when a woman freezes, this is a really good way to articulate power dynamics. Let's say we have a boy and a girl growing up. This is changing, but it's been in our culture for so long that it's still worth mentioning. So we have Billy and we have Mary. And we reward Billy and we reward Mary at entirely different moments. We reward Billy when his attention is out. He scored a goal. He built a fortress. He got into a fight. He messed something up. He won a trophy. His attention's out. He gets rewarded when his attention's out. Mary, however, look how lovely Mary is. Isn't that a lovely dress? Look at her lovely manners. Is Mary getting chubby? Her attention's on her. So what happens very often is in power dynamics, the leader, the dominant one, the one with authority, and this was definitely influenced by discoveries as a dominatrix, is the one who has their attention out and powerfully on the other person, and the one who is following has their attention inward. And you can see this really easily in the beautiful dance in some of the most profound conversations that people have. You know the conversation that keeps you up until eight in the morning. You can't stop talking. What's happening is when you're speaking, you're paying attention to the person who's listening, and you're seeing what lands and you're seeing what doesn't land, and you're re-articulating the things that don't land in order to make them stick. And then all of a sudden, something sparks in the other person. That energy rises, and all of a sudden, they're telling you their story, and their attention's on you, and they're tracking you. And it switches, and there's this play of dominant and submissive states of attention that go back and forth. Billy and Mary have been trained that in a moment of crisis, their attention immediately shoot to very different places. Now, this tendency is so strong that I've tested it, and I've tested it, and I've tested it. Scare a man, his attention goes you. Scare a woman, her attention goes me. And, you know, this was super relevant, and it still is, when women freeze in situations, for example, like where they have to justify, explain themselves when they're asked an uncomfortable question or a sexual harassing, uncomfortable remark is made. You know, my superpower CEO woman might be unstoppable in the office, but on the elevator ride home when her neighbor asks her if she's single, she freezes. She answers. She doesn't want to answer. She gets into a conversation she doesn't want to get to. And this may seem petty and small, but actually our life is made up of these interactions that inform us about the kind of people we are. So this habit is the dominant habit when a woman's attention's on her and her attention's on herself, she will get into a biologically frozen state. The way to flip that power dynamic is so simple. If she turns her attention out and asks the person who asked her a question a question, she's already flipped the script. Why do you ask sometimes is enough. Are you taking a poll if it's totally inappropriate? (laughs) What on earth are you doing asking a question like that, right? Putting the attention back on them. And this is also really wonderful in so many ways because sometimes... We mishear things or we don't understand where people are coming from. We make the assumption that some inappropriate comment is really full of ill intent, especially in the workplace. Now everybody has to be so careful. I had this student who was <laughs> telling a story about when her boss asked her if she liked where she bought her lingerie totally inappropriate question for the workplace. right? But this boss of hers, she really liked and was a really nice kind of sometimes awkward guy. Having taken my class, she asked him, do you realize that that can be a really inappropriate question for the workplace? Do you realize how that might make one of your female employees feel? And he completely stuttered and broke down and said, look, I have been out of the dating game for 20 years and it's Valentine's Day coming up and there's this woman I really like and I'm sorry. I just wanted to know where I could get her a nice gift." you know, totally inappropriate, but that got cleaned up like this. And it didn't escalate into some weird tension where later she's wondering if she can go on that conference. And if going to the bar where everybody's socializing is safe because he's there, is he going to make another comment? Is she going to end up in his hotel room? You know, all those things disappear because they get clarified.
1: Now you just went through an amazing Overview and I I remember seeing by the way if anybody has not seen the TEDx talk that Kasha does which goes over these concepts Which I think is phenomenal is one of the reasons I definitely wanted her on the show to share these concepts with you Definitely go check it out We'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes so you can go and click that and see more of her teachings And the one thing I just noticed is You've explained the whole situation the conditioning what's happening And at first, when you were explaining, I was like, wow, is this the reality of things? Is there nothing that we can do to change this or accelerate the transformation? And then I noticed how you shifted and said something I was not expecting. You said the process of liberating yourself from that invisible jail is absolutely fun. And now you've actually switched into giving us some prescriptions on what to do. And this asking a question when the question has been asked to you is such a powerful reversal of those roles. And I was gonna ask, like it doesn't seem like it would naturally come for most people. Like right now we're sitting or if somebody's listening, they're in their car and they're like, okay, wow, that makes sense. But when that moment arises, there's definitely like that emotional jolt that kind of triggers the lizard brain. And so my question to you would be, as I'm aware that asking the question when the appropriate question comes is one of the best ways to kind of shift the dynamics. What can I do to train myself to be more ready for those moments? Because I always will default to my natural at those times. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, well, that's why we train. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do at the academy that any listener can do. Like, here's a really good one. People are afraid of hearing no. They're afraid of hearing no. That's a general human experience of not wanting rejection, abandonment being one of the worst punishments, you know, primal, tribal, you get banished, you get rejected, it's worse than death, right? Death before dishonor. It's what gets people in the military. Again, there is a difference between how women and men respond to no. So I know more about how to train women to respond to no than I know about men. But one of the things that happens, I think for both, however, very, very, very acutely for women, is because their attention is on themselves when they're asking, when they hear the no, they take the hit as though it's a no to their existence and not to their request. So once again, the prescription is actually the same, which is when you're making a request where you might get a no, keep your attention on the other person. You hear the no, you don't break the kind of connection of attention because the person saying no oftentimes will experience that break in attention and feel like they've done so much damage just by speaking their truth in that moment. And that guilt will very quickly turn to anger. One of the things that we do is when we train a woman to hear no, we actually do no, no, request no over and over and over and over again. She hears no, she keeps her attention on the other person and then asks another question, gets curious. Not why not, because that's trying to crush the resistance. Because anytime somebody resists something, they have an internal reason for it. No is a gateway to incredible power and incredible intimacy. Sometimes it's better to get a no to your first request than a yes. Because what you get to do is you get to find out what the other person actually cares about. Most people don't say no in order to be asses. Most people Don't like to say no. And if they're in a position where they're saying no, it's because something got triggered that they need to protect. And if they value it enough to say no, and the person on the other side can stay curious and connect with that thing that they value, the no either disappears or the entire nature of the conversation changes to a far more generative and powerful one. Because now you know something about the other person. Now you're connected with something tender that the no was designed to protect. And if you can get to that place through genuine curiosity, when you hear no, it stops being about you. It even stops being about the request and it starts being about what's there on the other side that I can connect you to, to create an incredibly powerful relationship and generate a new possibility that would not be there if the person said yes. If we had more time, I'd go into a, a crazy dungeon story about the discovery of how boring it is when somebody always says yes. But resistance is a gift and it's something that we have two fixed ways of dealing with somebody meets resistance internal in terms of like keeping a promise or being disciplined or externally meets resistance in another person in the form of no. We have this incredible, incredibly ineffective way of dealing with no. It's called crush or run. Like imagine a little tribe, right? And another tribe is coming across the hill and the men go to crush that tribe and the women run for the hills, right? Crush or run. Resistance is such a hotspot of incredible information and a matrix of power that stepping into and navigating through that no to get to what the other person really cares about creates a synergy where oftentimes the new proposition is so much more powerful and the vision is so much more profound than if the initial request was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. Fine. So my students hunt for no. They are hungry for no. When they hear a no, they go, game on. We're going to get to something good.
1: It's so incredible because the ways that you've approached this is not instinctual. I've never heard it be explained this way. And it's so true because, in essence, it's almost like we're in a polite culture. And so we're always defaulting to the yes. And I'm someone who's a very big, passionate person about sales. I'm actually working on my own book about selling with love. And this is it when the no comes, it's an opportunity to discover. And the way you've laid it out is so magical. And so, as we get more comfortable with that, we've talked a lot about you know, a lot of the issues, the conditionings around women. I wanna also throw one insight for men who are listening to the show right now, which is as we're seeing the dynamics, the women, we're seeing some transformation, people like you who are teaching the right methodologies for women to come into the workplace to embrace their power. So now my question would be, what are some of the responsibilities that we can take as men so that we can make this a more powerful workplace by embracing the differences we have, as well as making sure that we have certain behaviors that we keep in check possibly to ensure that we have the most output and the best times as we're going towards working in the workplace, making an impact and including both genders in the most powerful way.
0: Oh, I'm about to say something really controversial. <laughs>
1: there we go. That's why we do this.
0: I'm only speaking for myself because this is a very controversial thing to say. I was assigned the task of teaching men how to behave themselves regarding sexual harassment in corporations. And I found that what they are trying to do absolutely does not work. Jason, I'm going to give you 20 behaviors that you are not to engage in. Remember them all, learn them, and make sure you don't do them. If I tell a female student, don't do upspeak, don't finish your sentences like a question, remember to dress not too like this and not too like this, and remember to do this. If we're litigating those small behaviors, that's not how human beings learn. Human beings learn socially. So this is the controversial thing. When you teach a woman, when she feels frozen or attacked or undermined by a man, when you teach a woman to flip the power dynamic, get connected to the other person ask questions, get information, get curious, develop a powerful ally, find out if that person really is an enemy or if they just didn't know, then what you have is a woman who's growing in her power. Side effect, she's teaching socially in the moment with social reward in the moment, the best behavior for any man or for any other person to take. I think that we have a crisis when it comes to men right now. And I wish there was a teacher who was teaching this kind of thing, but in reverse for men. Because what we're really forgetting is that just like women have been conditioned to be the perfect wife for millennia, men have been conditioned to violently divorce themselves from their emotions in order to be able to go out to war and die for us. The sacrifice of that deep connection to emotion and the taboo of a man being sensitive or deeply connected and how that's not powerful, not strong, and how it shows up is absolutely horrendous. We live in a culture where empaths, actually envy sociopaths and any book out there on empathy is how to deal with the burden of feeling other people's feelings. And any book on psychopaths and sociopaths is like what you can learn from them without being one. And this stuff about stoicism and stuffing down your feelings and just keep pushing and let's keep producing. We don't need any more of that in the world. And it's not going to create powerful, beautiful, generative, life-giving things. It's just part part of our suicide mission and death drive. Okay. Simple answer. Men can ask questions. They don't expect to get the answers because the truth is that, you know, especially in heteronormative, heterosexual relationships, women are getting angrier and angrier, more withholding, and men are getting more and more uninformed, kind of dumb. How to make a woman happy, how to treat a woman right in the workplace, how to treat a woman right at home, like how to do that. No information. Women are freezing, not communicating, getting triggered, shut down, getting angry. And men are like, where do I go from here? So I could say, you know, ask them some questions if all of their needs are being met or if, if there's something else. You'll probably get a no, I'm fine, unless it's an academy student or a woman who's worked, you know, done that work on not empowerment, but on power, on power dynamics. It's such a crisis in the world right now, the ability to be able to actually see another person ask them where they're at and where they're coming from instead of making assumptions that what has just happened is a full-on assault. Cancel them, you know, fire them, murder them, right? But actually check in, even if the person's misbehaving, actually, especially if the person's misbehaving and you're physically safe, right? That's a caveat. If you're physically safe, find out what's behind there. It's going to be a lot easier for women to break the freeze and start locating where men are at than the other way around, because women shut down so fast because of, because of our conditioning, when that happens. But maybe just to be aware that this is happening,
1: I so appreciate your worldview on how you approach this because it really feels like what you're doing is acknowledging the human as a whole with our good and a bad and not withholding anything back. Like you really teach the methods of us going through a path of growth and a path of you know becoming more of ourselves and fully. And I love the fact that you've actually. Pointed out how we're trying to give prescriptions of things of micro behaviors when really we have to kind of build the bridges between everybody. And I think that's a powerful thing. And nobody being perfect in the process. And I think with a lot more people that go out and teach the methods that you teach, and a lot of people becoming more aware of ways to show up in the workplace, both as men and as women. It's a beautiful dynamic and I'm seeing all the progress that we're seeing in today. And maybe this would be the best way I'd love to ask to close is in the more recent years or even specifically 2020, where we're seeing a lot of this work being done more remotely. Are you seeing a very positive and accelerating change in the dynamics and for especially women showing up in the workplace? And are you excited about the years to come?
0: Oh, I wish I had a more positive answer for you. I guess the positive optimistic view is it's getting worse. And so the problems are more acute. And so the problems to solve are more visible because right now I feel like women are pretty much carrying the pandemic on their backs, losing jobs and doing everything. The good girl behavior is at an all time high. It's my hope that this becomes part of a much bigger conversation in general in these kind of apocalyptic times where the problems are harder to ignore overall on every level and that we use that as an opportunity to get aware, enlightened and connected, not disconnected and hateful.
1: It feels like the whole world is going through this kind of Kensho moment, which is like, we're gonna be more aware of the pain, which gives us the opportunity to identify possible solutions in a quicker way. And hopefully a lot of people can take the initiative on, I would say everybody, if you haven't picked up the book yet, definitely grab Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power. This is Kasha's book. It's amazing, particularly for the women listening here. You'll want to go ahead and grab this piece of literature and inform yourself. Make sure you have a look at the TEDx talk. We're also going to have a link to that. And definitely look into the Academy. This is the school for the women that teaches the foundations of power and influence. And during these times, especially as she's just mentioned, Things are not necessarily better. Boundaries are probably being crossed more than ever as we work from home, working even more hours. These are gonna be the types of things that gives you the power to say no, to acknowledge a no when it comes at you, to bring back the question whenever you're put into an awkward situation with another question so that you can really speak your truth and not just be indoctrinating or repeating the conditioning of the good girl behavior. We're trying to break the mold. We want to bring these ideas forward and we can all take a small responsibility to be able to do our best in the workplace. And for men, ask better questions. Also do your best out there, but don't need to have a prescription list. Look at ways that you can connect and bond with your your colleagues and you can ask better questions so that we can show up as a better person as well. Kasha, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing these amazing insights. I had a ton of fun listening and I hope all the listeners, you had as much fun as I did. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks again for tuning in to Superhumans at Work, which is always brought to you by Mindvalley. Know that all access is our greatest offer where all of amazing quests in every area of your life are made available for you for under $2 a day. Simply go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman and then you'll get a chance to uncover all of the available journeys that you can go through to improve every single area of your life. mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman is where you'll get all the information and you'll get to see what it's like to be part of a tribe of people looking to always improve and do the best possible in the world by starting with themselves thanks so much for tuning in and until next time stay superhuman my name is jason campbell and this is superhumans at work a mind valley podcast